0: hey everybody brad stevens here founder and ceo of outsource access we help companies redefine how they scale with offshore affordable staff from the philippines congrats to all fellow winners of the 2023 real leaders impact awards we are proud to be among you about 10 years ago i woke up to a major growth problem in my last business cash was tight staff was overwhelmed and tasks were not getting done then i discovered the world of offshore virtual staff in the philippines where english is their second language so there is no communication or culture gap I realized outsourcing wasn't just call centers, it was access to college-educated Filipinos to support sales, marketing, operations, customer service, bookkeeping, personal tasks, and more. And in fact, the first woman I hired in the Philippines at 23 is now an award-winning COO of our entire company. It inspired me to launch Outsource Access. One client and YPO member, Ali Jamal, shared their offshore virtual staff Edison automated processes and saved them over 50,000 per year in the first few weeks. It's about finally getting things done and staff focusing on higher value activities. We've grown by over 2,000% in just three and a half years and will double next year. To receive a complimentary outsourcing playbook customized for your industry and to connect with one of our team here at Outsource Access, just visit redefinescale.com. That's redefinescale.com or text the word SCALE to 770-954-8440. Two months after hiring my first staff, She sent me a picture of shoes she bought for low-income children because of the opportunity. And now we support thousands of families and the environment with United Nations SDG projects. I'm proud we've grown with impact. To learn more, visit redefinescale.com.
1: Hello friends, Laura McKinney here, your co-host for The Real Leaders Podcast. I am so happy you're here tuning in today. And as always, you are in for a treat. Got some amazing pearls of wisdom coming your way, so make sure to share and review after you take a listen. Let's do this. My name is Laura McKinney. I'm your host um, for this LinkedIn Live today, and we're here with David Bilstrom, the CEO of Kitspo. David, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Well, thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, no, we appreciate it. And uh, we got a lot to dive into today, a lot that I'm personally curious about. But before we begin, I would love to know and for our audience to know, uh, can you explain what Kitspo is?
2: So Kitspo um, started as a mountain biking clothing company um, like pretty much all the other outdoor uh, recreation apparel brands. Um, And it has evolved over 11 years it has evolved into something pretty extraordinary, which is an employee-owned benefit corporation mm-hmm. teaching people to sew, making all of the clothes exclusively here in the United States, mm-hmm. and, and more than that, making them um, in a made-to-order model. And the reason why that's important is it means the customer gets exactly what they want. They might have to wait a week or two. Uh, but they get exactly what they want in terms of fit, size, and color. We are currently offering 5,000 variations. Our, our little operation um, wow. offers that choice because we didn't make 300 of each of the 5,000. In fact, yeah. we don't make any of them in advance. We make mm-hmm. them after they're ordered. And the second reason why that is so different is that also means that we do not have unsold clothes. Mm -hmm. which means our business long-term is going to be more stable than a lot of the brands. And it means that none of our unsold clothes go to the landfill. There's Mm -hmm. a shocking statistic that you can, you can Google. It's a secret hiding in plain sight that 20% of all the finished goods and apparel made worldwide go to the landfill, never worn. Really? So they were made in, they were made uh, in, in a way that was the wrong size, the wrong color, the wrong fit or the wrong season. And fairly quickly in the process of the distribution channel, no uh, they are discarded because the cost of moving them around, even to give them to a charity, yeah. becomes prohibitive. And so what almost all the brands do is they throw it away. So that we're, we're doing a lot for sustainability here. And that's one of the outcomes of being employee-owned in a benefit corporation. Today, about 30% of our sales is for what we might call technical performance clothing. Mm -hmm. And the rest is for stuff like I'm wearing right now. In fact, everything I'm wearing, um, my neighbors made. Um, And by being U.S. made, uh, we have these clothes that work in a business casual situation. I was wearing this in Midtown Manhattan Mm -hmm. on Monday, and I fit right in Mm -hmm. um, with my North Carolina clothes. And um, uh, I can also ride my bike wearing these same clothes so mm-hmm. they have they have features and fit that are designed to ride a bike like longer sleeves when yeah. i reach out to all the handlebars anyway um all of that means that uh we're doing something pretty special here and it is the it is the employees that are leading that and that leaves leads us to the other big point which is employee owned once we become profitable those profits will stay here. They won't go to Wall Street. They won't go to outside investors. Yeah, They will go to the employees and stay in our community.
1: Wow. A lot of good stuff to unpack there. I mean, you you really have a, a unique system, which I'm sure a lot of people listening can learn from, right? And would be really curious to, to know about. And, you know, I'm interested too. I know... Uh, Kitspo, you know, that cycling apparel, outdoor apparel, accessories, all of that. You know, what was the inspiration behind that? Was it a personal interest to you? Uh, Are you a cycler or like what really got you engaged in in this certain type of market?
2: All right. So, Laura, it's clear you are not a cyclist. because. No. we would not refer to ourselves as a cycler, but I'm not I'm, I'm just call- just calling you out on that to make that clear. So so most of our clothes actually work great for for all kinds of activities. Okay. Uh, hiking, uh, uh, travel. um because today, and this is true for many of the many of the outdoor apparel brands, um, uh, the clothes are very performant. Mm. And when we talk about performance, it means that they keep you warm when it's cold outside but maybe they also don't make you sweat so much when when it gets warmer outside yeah because they have a range of temperatures and uh they work well in lots of settings and and they're flexible and you can move in fact our designers strive to make the clothes fit so well you forget you're wearing them mm. so that you can focus on the task at hand whatever that is seeing beauty or riding your bike mm-hmm. um all of this really is the brainchild or the founder um, a man in California by the name of Xander Nosler. Mm-hmm. And Xander and I worked together years ago. Um, I helped him build a company that we sold to Starbucks. And after he exited from that transaction, he was then interested in building another company and he built Kitspo. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I was on the board, but I was not directly involved for about seven years. Okay. And then um, Xander convinced me to come on board as a hired gun to help lead the company to the next level. And that led to um, about two years of work and moving the company to North Carolina from California.
1: Hmm. So okay.
2: we've now been here for three years and one month,
1: mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: And um, and a year ago, um, Xander sold the company to the employees and I helped that transaction happen. Hmm. So I view myself very much as a coach. I am not okay. a classic CEO in the sense that um, I founded the company because I didn't, uh, yeah. or because I came up with this idea of let's make in America. I didn't. That was Xander's idea. Mm-hmm. Um, the made to order. That was also Xander's idea. I'm more of an operator and a coach.
1: Yeah. Very good. Um, are you a cyclist?
2: I am. I, you are, I have okay. been, I've been riding. <laughs> I started on a stingray when I was a little boy. Okay. Um, and then I started riding long road trips in the seventies. Mm-hmm. And I was in the first wave of mountain bikers in 1985 wow. mm-hmm. and um, ran across the island of New, of New Zealand.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: uh, over the last 10 years, I helped my wife with her bi- bicycle tour business. Oh wow! And so, I don't know, I've never kept careful track, but somewhere between 40 and 50,000 miles um, of riding uh, over, over many years. And in the last, mm-hmm. last two years, I've kept myself sane. Yeah. including during the pand- pandemic, by commuting to Kitsbo from my home. So I have a 25-mile oh. round-trip commute. And okay. that commuter bike recently ticked over. Um, it's almost at 10,000 miles. Oh, my so goodness. That's kept, me, that's kept me sane.
1: So you're you're a true cyclist. You're not a cycler. I, yeah. And,
2: <laughs> and I'm not really an athlete, and I'm not very fast, but yeah. I do love
1: it. Oh that's great that's amazing do you test your own products or Oh absolutely you do okay yeah, yeah. i mean i you have men's apparel women's apparel accessories you know special collections how do you work within the structure of your company and with your employees um, to ensure like the best quality for for these products? Because if anything, the reviews I've been reading, it's been astonishing. Like people are really liking the quality specifically of your products, but you have such a wide range of products. So how do you ensure that quality for all the different sections that you have?
2: Well, so uh, first of all, it's important to understand that I don't actually do anything. So I yeah. don't know how to sew either, right? Like, <laughs> okay. like yeah. so, it's not my idea, and and I'm not and I'm not creating any of these products. So yeah. I really am a coach. Okay. Um, two four mm-hmm. leaders. There are four leaders that I directly um, uh, coach and manage, and then there's a there's another layer of uh, additional leadership, and that group makes most of almost well, I I, I think I can say all of the decisions are made mm-hmm. as a team decision. And that that is because you end up with some different points of view. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when one of the people in the leadership team really wants to make stuff out of cotton, Mm -hmm. and I don't have to say no, the other leaders are like, yeah, that's not going to work on a bike. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And so, so I'm not directly involved in most of those decisions, I suppose. I suppose there are tiebreaker decisions that sometimes yeah. I'm involved in, but really it's the leadership from within,
0: mm-hmm. and that's
2: a core tenet of lean manufacturing, um, which is the made-to-order um, methodology that we use. But I would also say that it, it's also part of having a human-centric company. Mm. So it's very there's not much top-down. Yeah, it's really from within, and it is based in values, and the values are the brand. And mm-hmm. the brand of the values. Yeah. So you know that first question you asked me, I spent what five minutes talking, and it was all about it was all about our values. Yeah. Sustainability, employee leadership, employee ownership, um, making things in America, keeping the money in America. Mm-hmm. Um, the shirt I'm wearing, most of the parts come from America. Yeah. Many of our products, the the fabric mm-hmm. still comes from overseas, but even when mm-hmm. it comes from overseas, that's a fraction of the total price. So yeah. if it's a $200 item, at least $150 is gonna stay right here in, in Western North Carolina. Mm. And that, I think this is a shift that is both inevitable and desirable for many capitalists. Yeah. And I've been a capitalist since I was a little boy. I mean, yeah. I've been trying to make money since I was 14. Yeah, And um, I I am completely committed to this employee-owned model. Because I have been involved in transactions like selling a company to Starbucks. And I was a vice president at Walt Disney for a year. Mm -hmm. I spent many years in high tech. And when you create a company with venture capital, you have Mm -hmm. to sell it. Yeah. There's no other way to get the liquidity to return to the investors. Yeah. And most of those transactions, not all, result in a few people making a ridiculous amount of money. And Mm -hmm. I've, been one of those people. Um, and everybody else's lives get a little bit worse. Yeah. Because they are no longer working in that intimate startup environment. So I'm a real proponent of these employee-owned and minimum investment dollars and slow growth. Um I am certainly not the only one. I'm just living it out right now at at yeah. Old Fort at Kitspo.
1: Yeah. What would you say to like those business leaders who maybe are doing their manufacturing outside of the U.S., but they're interested in kind of shifting it to the U.S.? Like what are the true benefits of it? Uh, What in your eyes, like why should somebody make that switch if they're considering it?
2: That's a great question. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, what I've come around to is that um, there is a secret, which Mm -hmm. is you can make it in America for between half And 100%. I'm sorry, twice as much to um, to the same as it costs in Asia. Mm. I think it's a myth for apparel that it's it's dramatically cheaper in Asia. It is Mm -hmm. not one tenth the price. Um, Now there are exceptions to that. If you're buying T-shirts at the scale that Walmart buys T-shirts, and they're made in Bangladesh, then those probably are going to be one fifth to one tenth the -hmm. price and they're also not gonna last a full year. Yeah. But if you're gonna make clothes like this that last at least four or five years and maybe a lifetime, yeah. and you are going to make them um, uh, a very stylish and high quality, mm-hmm. then it's not that much more expensive to make it here than there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And the cost of ocean transport and the cost mm-hmm. to the planet of the ocean transport, and frankly, your involvement, whether you're a leader or whether you're even a consumer
1: yeah. in
2: the, the of labor used in those countries to make the clothes.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: if you Google best practices for cut and sew facilities overseas, you will see it is, well, none of those work hours and work conditions would be legal in the United States. We are yeah. using two different standards. Mm. So I think there's a choice to be made there and you can choose to make it here and it's not going to cost 10 times as much depending yeah. on the product it might cost twice as much but frankly right now we're making stuff at the same price we used to pay um in vietnam
1: wow i mean and and the fact too that your you know your products are made to order and the durability of the products themselves you know probably aid to that sustainable mindset as well uh when you're having those conversations with your employees and everybody that you work with is sustainability a conversation that you're having or is it just a natural offset of the way that your practice runs
2: it's really both yeah but it, but it is a natural it's a it's a it's an intended side effect
1: mm-hmm.
2: of making clothes the way we're making them and you know we have a long ways to go um, yeah. uh, all the performant fabrics that we use today are synthetic mm-hmm. so you know, at their core, petroleum is involved. Yeah. Um, We are sourcing increasingly in the United States. There are a few mills that are starting to make stuff for us and for other brands in the U S but for the most part, we're going to get those performance fabrics and anything with Merino wool, it's going to come from overseas. Mm -hmm. So there is ocean transport of the raw material. And that's, that's, that's just a a tiny percentage compared to shipping finished goods by Mm -hmm. ocean and plane. But, um, yeah, no we we have a long ways to go. but we have an excellent good start,
1: yeah, that's that's impressive. I mean, we have a lot of listeners too who you know, are the, in the CEO space and they probably look at themselves kind of how you described as as a coach uh, to their teams. Uh, what in your eyes is like the qualities of that coach or people who want to get to that level of being in that CEO, see, you know, what is the best qualities? Uh, in your eyes, to be the most effective coach to your team.
2: Well, when I was an ambitious young little shit, I <laughs> I never said I don't know.
1: Mm.
2: And uh, with the wisdom of time and numerous huge honking mistakes,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, I have come to see that that's pretty powerful. I I don't know, and can you help me? Mm. Um, I would say. That making conscious choices instead of going along with the assumed status quo. Um, And and to go back to the manufacturing labor cost, I just assumed what I've heard for 30 years that, you know, it's cheaper to do it in China. And the problem is that nobody knows how much it costs to make clothes in America because only 2% of all the clothes sold in America last year were made in America. Wow. So you can't do an A-B test. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: It's all A. Mm -hmm. And I think that the foreign factories know that. And I think they've increased the prices over time. And they've allowed all of us to believe in the brand message that it's less expensive overseas. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And like I said, to be sure for certain products, it it is dramatically less expensive. But that's only if we look at the dollar cost. If we start looking at tariffs, shipping, cost of planet to the cost of the planet. So again, going back to that general topic is really an example of thinking again. I'm a real student of Adam Grant, think again, and don't accept the status quo, especially if you made it.
1: Mm -hmm. So,
2: you know, people come to me all the time thinking like I have some special powers. I mean, you thought, yeah, I I don't approve our new products.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. I'm not really qualified to do that. I of course have an opinion. You can tell I'm an opinionated person.
1: Mm-hmm. But I,
2: I don't make the final decision that that would be lunacy. Um, yeah, my wife is excited when I remember to wear pants, yeah, <laughs> wear shorts when we go out, right? Like, yeah, I, I don't really care about that stuff. Uh-huh. So there are people who have who have developed a lifetime and have a profession in in garment design and truly love to wear clothes mm. and and they all match, unlike mine. And those are the people who should be making those decisions. So I mm. think, it's not really humility; it's just good common sense as a leader yeah. to seek the, that input.
1: Yeah, yeah, very good. I mean, it's really evident that you you care about the work you do and the system that's in place that you've worked to bring it to where it is. You know, like what what keeps you so engaged after all these years of leadership and working and and being in it. You know, what keeps you engaged, especially with Kidspo, You know, like is it the mission? Is it the people? Like, what really gets you going?
2: Well, there's two things that that have driven me from the first day we moved the company to North Carolina. One mm-hmm. is I really love developing uh, elite teams. And we have an elite team of leaders here. And I'm seeing them uh, grow and evolve in front of my eyes. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's it's practically daily. It's certainly week by week. Mm-hmm. And that's because of the crap the world has thrown at us. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I'll come yeah. back to that. Mm-hmm. The second reason why I'm here is, you know, we have, um, we have roughly a $2 million payroll in a town that was dead mm-hmm. and their careers, they're not jobs. And I mean, no disrespect to the service industry, but food service jobs and tourism jobs, which are common here in the Asheville, Western North Carolina area with our stunning natural beauty that that is good, but it's pretty hard to buy a house and raise a family on those kind of jobs. And so we're we're providing careers, and we're building a new industry. And I do have a lot of personal pride around seeing that happen. Yeah. and um i'm I'm both proud of that, but I'm committed to that. And you know, I've made some money. i've I've had some success. I've had some uh, visibility in the public eye. And all that stuff is, you know, it's extrinsic return. And now I'm much more interested. I'm I'll turn sixty-two this year. I'm much more interested in intrinsic return,
1: yeah.
2: um, and so that those are the two things that keep me going. Now, I also have to confess, Laura. I mean, you know, the other thing that keeps me coming in here is sheer terror. <laughs> I mean, you know, the apparel industry is in shambles in twenty twenty-two. Uh, two brands announced they were going out of business in the last two weeks. That are that are a lot like Kitspo, uh, Pistol Lake. Ten-year-old uh, um, small boutique brand out in California, high-quality mm-hmm. stuff, distinctive design, um, either all made in America or largely made in America. Mm-hmm. They announced they were closing their doors, and just four days ago, Machines for Freedom, which um, is a uh, uh, nearly a cult of customers, women cyclists, especially in um, inclusive sizes, that brand um, that brand shut down as well. And mm-hmm. there are two or three others that I, I can't talk about yet, but I know they're shutting down. Wow. And that's just the reality. There's been layoffs at every brand and every retailer, and some of the retailers mm-hmm. have declared um reorganization bankruptcies. Mm-hmm. So we are in a shitstorm. And mm-hmm. and before this was the pandemic, and that was its own, you know, right. life or death situation for Kids Go. Yeah. Um, we made three million dollars worth of masks. We saved lives in the early days. I mean, uh, in March we'll celebrate the three-year anniversary of that pivot. Mm. Um, and it, I mean, ever since we landed in North Carolina, we have been we've been having stuff thrown at us that we've had to respond to. Um, you know, buying the company wasn't planned. That was a that was a very short response time. Um, mm. To buy the company instead of selling it to strangers, so I, wow, you know it is. Yeah. I have never worked so
1: hard. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that, I know I'm not
2: the only one. I mean, no. there's a lot of people in this situation.
1: Yep, a lot of people I've talked to, interviewed, you know, just in the past month have been saying similar sentiments. So, um, you know, it's it's impressive, and I know it's hard work, and. You know, that leads me really to my last question, which is what is your definition of a real leader, especially in this day and age?
2: Well, I've long thought about courage is mm-hmm. not is not a reckless kind of bravery. Courage is not you're willing to climb the tall ladder, you're willing to jump out of the plane with the parachute for fun. Um, You want to do wheelies on your, on your mountain bike. Um, Courage is, is when you're um, frightened and you do it anyway. Mm. And I think that that's what this particular era calls for. We're not leaving the planet in very good shape for following generations. We've got a war going on that appears to be endless. We have um we have energy challenges that we could have planned for that we didn't. Yeah. We have political division in a country that used to be strong. There is there are a lot of stressors. Yeah. And so I think now is especially a time to have that um that courageous leadership, which includes admitting that you're scared.
1: Yeah. Yep. That's that's a strong answer. And courage is not easy to come by. Authentic courage is not easy to come by, um, and I think you are demonstrating a great job of it. Um, and thank you so much, David, for for being with us today on the Real Leaders Live LinkedIn. Thanks, Laura. It's been yes. A pleasure. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, real leaders! thank you again for taking your valuable time to listen today. If you just can't get enough, make sure to check out our magazine. And if you go online to realleaders.com today, you're going to get the first 30 days for free where you'll be able to access all of our magazines, courses, and live events from some of the top thought leaders around the world. All you have to do is go online to real-leaders.com and click the subscribe button in the top right corner to get your free 30-day trial right now. That's real Thanks again for tuning in, and as always, keep it real.